back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bloom, episode 99, your 2024 fantasy baseball second base preview as we continue our trip around the diamond to get you ready for the 2024 season. Uh, before we get into the second base, housekeeping as always, you can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod, and my co host, as always, on the Twitter at Ryan BHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how are we doing, my friend? We're hanging in there, man. It's a familiar theme of 2024, I guess, but it's 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 another tough scene. The Bloomfield House, we are we are we have been snowed in, iced in for four days in a row. The the, the little blooms, the two year old and the four year old, are getting quite rambunctious. They like the snow and ice for like the first day, and now we're just inside. So, uh, fingers crossed. We're recording this Tuesday night, Wednesday. As of now, school's open, daycare's open tomorrow. So may finally get the little ones out among their friends and out of here and give me some time. Love my kids. Love my kids. But need some uh need some need some peace and quiet sometimes. Yep. Oh, I I get it full heartedly. There's my slow season and I still send mine to daycare because if I want to just chill or something like that little window glorious it's all i can say so like especially for ones with kids that used to take naps and then don't take naps anymore that window's gone and that was a perfect midday little treat so yep. yeah yeah i feel for you i really do and uh, it's kind of ironic because you're you got the snow and mine was literally today asking she she went to the snow like two weeks ago and goes when are we going to the snow again like she wants to go so bad and just like if you only knew if you only knew <laughs> Send her up here. We got plenty. Yeah, no, we got a trip planned for her in a couple of weeks to go back to the snow. But she's uh she's chomping at the bit. Uh, it's fun when these, as you know, and others do it. When you when your kids start to like understand things a little more and get like what they like and don't like, then it gets a little more entertaining to watch them enjoy things. So yep, yeah. yep, absolutely. It's Although fun. not not this podcast, they haven't. Uh, at least not mine yet. haven't haven't taken to yeah to mine, fantasy quite yet. I told Ryan that mine saw the video. It it popped up on our YouTube feed on our TV one night. And the little one goes, is that you, Daddy? And I said, yeah. And I played it. And she goes, I don't want to watch this, Daddy. (laughs) And we turned it back to uh, Simple Songs. Paw Patrol. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we were... It was fun for about two seconds. She was really ex- interested, like, why is daddy on TV? And then it went away real quick. So thanks. Thanks. She will make her debut someday. Trust me. It'll be on accident, but she will make her debut someday. Um, but, yeah, we're going to talk second baseman. Before we get there, like usual, Listener League, I want to remind everybody, you guys are crushing it. We're up to 35 people. That's not including me and Ryan. Um, so, in theory, we could probably already field um, three, three full leagues. leagues. Yep. But keep them coming. Ratings and reviews get you in there. And again, if you get at least four leagues, at least you can have more than four, but at least four leagues, overall winner gets a cool prize. And I'll announce the prize once you guys fill up four leagues. So uh, keep it coming. Cool stuff. Any other thoughts on that, Mr. Bloomfield? I know we talked about a few other things on that off the air. Yeah, a few people have reached out actually this week, just kind of asking for an update. And uh, we have not forgotten about you. If I've responded to you, at least the ones who have reached out to me. Uh, you're on our list. We're just waiting to get at least our, our third league and likely fourth before we uh, start reaching out for dates and things like that. So we we have you. If, if either of us have responded to you, you're on our list. Yep. It's just uh, we, we want to get the, the leagues nailed down first and then we'll be in touch probably like, I mean, probably pretty soon. Yeah, uh, I, I would say within the next two weeks. So 
I'd imagine if we get at least four teams, we'll start in mid mid like third week in February. I'm guessing, like that'd be the goal. Uh, ideally March, but everyone gets has all their other leagues going on and everything. So yeah. it is what it is. But we'll get those going. Fifty dollar price point. We all agreed on that already. So um, we'll have some fun there and uh, knock it out of the park. But thank you all for already contributing. It's been pretty sweet seeing the uh, interest because and, and especially the fact that. It's kind of what Ryan and I already talked about. It'll be our first time on the NFBC platform doing auctions. I haven't done, I've only done one auction in my life, and that was like six years ago. So I've never done, like, really, I'll, technically, probably never done an auction the way I look at it. Um, and a lot of you all that have been sending in like your reviews and talking to us, it'll be your first times too. So that's what's pretty cool. You guys want to try it out and everything. And that's kind of the purpose of this whole thing is let's all have some fun. Let's learn it together. Let's enjoy the fantasy game and, uh, and, and enjoy an auction while we're at it. So be pretty cool i just want i want to see your i want to see your handwritten sheet and notebook with auction price is that, is that how you're gonna is that how you're gonna do it what what's the what's the what's the prep plan like now i'll print something out but then i'll have it next to me and scribble on it throughout the process like it won't be i won't be inputting things as i draft probably i'll have it all next to me and if anything i'll import stuff just so it keeps track of my finances but that's about as far as it'll go um yeah i'm just one of those guys like when i walk into the barf draft at the bar guys have their laptops i have my laptop just to check the uh steamer if i need it or something or whatever projections i have my printout of players i want like i'm not i'm not casey Chaw level of just like a sheet of paper but that's just how i that's how i roll basically so. very different from me which is honestly what uh i like about our our duo and, and yeah. folks have said that kind of makes the show what it is is we we go about player evaluation i think pretty differently sometimes we agree a lot of times we don't but uh i think yeah. i think the listeners yeah, i think you all are better off for it so yeah last week was fun a lot of disagreements on the first yeah we, place, we uh good. yeah i did not expect to see myself so high on vlad i did not expect a goldschmidt versus christian walker debate to to bust out but it did and i'm sure stuff will happen tonight at second base 100 percent, because this second base pool there's a lot of players I could see a lot of Spider-Man gifts, or you're like like picking nitpicking at certain aspects to like justify things. So let's get into the second base pool, and um, we'll talk about it again at the end. We'll kind of recap how we want to approach things after we break down all these players and everything. But we'll go over to the top ten, uh, then we'll do eleven through twenty. Each give a pick, and then twenty plus give a pick. But Bloom, why you pulled it up there? Explain what we got on the Bloom board. Yeah, we got the standard format here uh, for the YouTube and the live stream crowd. We've got our top 30 by ADP. So obviously top 15 on the left, the next 15 on the right. Uh, by ADP since Christmas, I believe we're doing. So like the last 15 draft drafts, and hold yeah. drafts uh, on the NFBC. And then the steamer projections color-coded uh, for your viewing pleasure. Um, just looking at this, and just kind of overall takeaways before we start getting into specific players. For me, by far the biggest thing, this is pretty staggering, looking at like the two columns, the top 15, the next 15. The next 15, there are like no stolen bases. And at least projected by Steamer. Uh, there are a couple guys projected for more than 10 bags. That's Whit Merrifield and Bryce Terang. We'll talk about those guys. We'll probably talk about a lot of these guys on the show tonight because you guys brought a ton, a ton of listener questions. Which but, is awesome. Um, it is. It's fantastic. And we will answer every single one of them. We always do. Um, 
I always think, and maybe this is just my bias, I always think of second base as a position where I can grab steals. And looking at the the projections and the ADP, if you do not get a top 15 second baseman, you are not getting steals unless you draft like a Whit Merrifield or Bryce Terang. And so just keep that in the back of your mind. Like you're not really able to get late steals at the position. And last week we talked about catcher. Last week we talked about first base. There's not many bags there. So if you don't get bags at catcher first and you wait on second base, I'm not saying you can't build a team with enough stolen bases, but it really pigeonholes you. We know third base. We haven't gotten there yet. We know third base doesn't have many bags. It really pigeonholes you when you're trying to push for speed in the outfield and shortstop. So that's one thing to consider um, when looking at the second base position is not only is there a pretty big fall off, I think, after like the top, I don't know, 12, 14-ish, there is an absolute cliff in speed after the top 15, after Tommy Edmond is being taken in like at 159 or whatever. I can't see the bottom of it. But uh, but yeah, if you wait on second base, have, have a plan for stolen bases. That was the biggest thing uh, to me that stuck out at this position right now. Which is interesting, like you said, because we usually expect it, but also – when we did our reviews from 2023, it felt, and maybe it was more shortstop dominant than second base dominant. And also, you might not be going this deep because this is draft and hold. You might not need to go as deep at the position. But I remember when we did like the reviews, middle infield is where you got so much of your stolen base production, corner infield next to nothing, like we're saying. But I guess we grouped middle infield together. I wonder if it was shortstop heavy or it was more just like we focused so much on the top 15 while we're drafting our leagues because those were reviewing like redrafts that we didn't even really notice the second half. And now you see the second half on screen, you're just like, dang, that is not good. It is all red, yeah. Yeah, and so that's just an interesting takeaway, like you said. And then obviously the power decreases tremendously. Like It's just bad, period, on that side. And if you've done enough DCs, you kind of have felt this. You kind of know where this is coming from and – there's a reason why when we start talking about a few players that I think if you listen to me enough, you know exactly where my focus is in this position. And um, I know a guy Ryan likes locks. We talked about him before, and those are pretty much greens across the board for the most part, or at least especially in the stolen base department. There's a good reason behind doing that. So that's the process. Um, not much power at the position. Mookie Betts no. is the only one projected for more than 30 home runs it's still weird seeing him there it really is <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> i know it's and he's going to i mean they said this week oh he's this the primary week or last week he's the primary second baseman yeah. in la um so yeah not much power which you know we we kind of knew batting average is pretty deep there's a there, there's a good number of of players projected for 270 and above again in that kind of top 15 at second base familiar theme though even batting average starts to starts to go by the wayside the longer and longer that you wait um, at, at, at second base. Yep, for sure. So let's get at it. Let's talk about these position players. And let's kick it off with the aforementioned Mookie Betts. Has an ADP of five right now. Um, he's a guy that's I'm not, he's not polarizing by any means, but he's gone as high as two, as low as eight. Like that. The, the, the one I was going to say polarizing is after Acuna, the Betts, Witt, J-Rod, Carol, like there's just – Everyone's got their argument. It's hard to disagree with any of it, basically, is the way I'll say it. And so Betts, he's got the ADP of five, but if you like him, you're going to have to go get him is what it comes down to. And um, last season was just insane. I, I wrote something recently about him. I, just looking back, 39 bombs, 126 runs scored. He had 117 runs the year before. 107 RBIs, 14 steals, hit 307, 
just a tremendous year. Probably the the MVP if Acuna doesn't do it. We said that about Olsen too, but I think Betts is probably number two in that world. Amazing stuff, worth the ADP. I don't have a whole lot to really go crazy about him here, but you have anything on bets? Like he's he's legit worth it if you want to take him, basically. Yeah, and 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 a true god in the category. No one really talks about run scored last yeah. two seasons. Mookie Betts, hundred seventeen and one hundred twenty six run scored, and and I expect that to continue, right? Since they've added Shohei Otani to hit basically right after Mookie Betts. Um, yeah, not not too much to say. The only thing I'll, I'll I mean, he's by far the best second baseman. Uh, gets a boost with the outfield eligibility. I think we have a question on that is where we would use Mookie Betts uh, next year, and we'll get to that one. I probably am not, and going back to how you introduced this, Bubba, with like the other options at the position in the first, or at in, in the overall draft at, at, in the top five, is I'm leaning more Freddie Freeman and like Kyle Tucker over Mookie Betts. So like I'm probably not going to have Mookie on, a, on many teams. That being said, it's certainly not a bad pick to take Mookie Betts. He's just going to rack up plate appearances, score a ton of runs, hit in the upper twos. I don't think he'll hit 300 again or hit 39 home runs again. I feel like those were his ceilings, but he can still fall back quite a bit and uh, and be just fine as a first-round pick. So um, great talent, easily the top second baseman off the board. But again, I'm probably going like Tucker Freeman over Mookie, which is probably the decision that many of you will have to make on, on draft day if you want to do it. Yep, uh, it's just the, the perfect example is in the not the DC I'm in with you right now with the other DC I picked four I took Tucker over Mookie that's just where I went um, I guess the steals upside and like everyone knows both of us are big big Tucker fans so like I, the whole other level to them and Dusty's not going to hold them down any longer so it's gonna be pretty nice the second second baseman off the board I've actually seen some interesting conversation on and that's Ozzy Albies. ADP of 23 right now, and he's coming off a strong season. You know, he, he was injured a lot of 2022. Last year, got back to 148 games, 33 homers, career high, only 13 stolen bases, 109 ribbies, 96 runs, hit 280. The stolen base is the big conversation with Albies because uh, he goes and steals 20 in 2021. He got 24 years old. You're thinking, okay, here we go. He gets hurt in 2022, 2023. Stolen bases are up. Everyone's running. Albies only gets 13 steals. That was the big like conundrum. Is he not going to be the steals guy we once thought he was? Who knows? Regardless, still a beast at the position in an amazing lineup. Just depends on if you trust what you have there. So what are your thoughts on Ozzy Albies? Because it's a guy I've loved in the past, but the price has just gotten too rich for me for where I'm drafting at that point in time. I just don't know if I'll have any Albies this year. I think I think Albies is fine. He's perfectly fine. Like, well, actually, when I run uh his HQ baseball HQ projections. Uh, through my little sheet here, Albies comes out as the number 20 hitter, and he's the number 20 hitter off the board right now. So projections have him as dead even in the second round, which is which is pretty damn good. And I do think Ozzy Al- Albies separates himself enough from a tier standpoint. He's a tier below Mookie Betts, but I also think Ozzy Albies is a tier above some of the other guys we'll talk about next. Um, and he's super balanced, man. Like you did talk about the steals, Bubba, but like, Yes, he only had 13 last year, 93% success rate. I think he just – Albies did not need to run last year because Matt Olson was having the the year fair. of his life behind That's him yeah. and just didn't really need to run, especially Acuna. 
stole every single base imaginable was in was in scoring position for probably half of Ozzy's at bat. So like I'm not too concerned about the stolen base dip. Uh the 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 skills are still there. You mentioned the lineup Bubba. the runs in RBI are fantastic. So like it's just a really well-rounded pick in the second round. In a second round where there are and I noticed this in our draft draft and hold league um there's a lot of like power no speed bats going in yep. the second round. There's Jordan Alvarez there's Corey Seager, there's Austin Riley, there's Rafael Devers, there's Pete Alonzo, all going in the second round. Ozzy Albies is a nice, balanced pick that cross all five that some of your other options in the second round aren't. So if you prefer balance, and I always do, um, I'm perfectly fine taking Albies uh, where he's going. Yep, no arguments on that one. Uh, Marcus Simeon, ADP of 29. He's been a guy of a few years back, like, ADP just climbs up because he has a, a tremendous season. Everyone's like, oh, he costs too much, blah, blah, blah. Well, he's backed it up for three, I'll say four straight years now, but three straight for sure. Like 2020 be damned, whatever it was. But he's basically had four straight years of just amazing production, 26 or more home runs. Um, you know, basically a 15 stolen base guy outside of the 25 year. So stolen bases, him and Albie's similar. Runs galore. RBI is not bad. Hits for a decent average most of the time, like 260 ish, 270 plays every freaking day which is amazing uh he's awesome as well like he's one of those if you couldn't get albies and you can land on simeon i see a lot of similarities there i do agree like you said albies is kind of in a tier of his own but after bets before the next group simeon's not far off i guess if you have to pick any complaint he's gonna be 33 is eventually the age gonna catch up with him that would be the question but right now like i said it's basically four straight full seasons where he's just playing every day producing at an elite level and it's hard to see that crash at any time, especially again, that Rangers lineup pretty good. It is, it 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 was pretty damn good last year. Marcus Semyon, I I don't know. He's like he's 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 these one of these years, guys. Like one of these years, Marcus Semyon is not gonna get 700 plate appearances. And I I yeah. it, it could I, I think it will be 2024. I would have been wrong saying this the last four years. Uh, but so much of Semyon's value is tied to him racking uh plate appearances that frankly we haven't seen before i've actually posted this out earlier today Semyon has had 700 plus plate appearances five straight years in a row that's crazy only one other hitter has done it five times since 2010 that's nick markakis of all Oof. people Oof. um <laughs> freddie freeman's the only one who's done that four times reached 700 plus plate appearances nobody else has done it more than three times in the last 12 years reached 700 plate appearances and Marcus Semyon has done it five years in a row. Now, how much of that is luck versus skill? I, 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 I do genuinely believe Marcus Semyon has a skill, the stamina, the work ethic, the, the ability to hit at the top of the lineup um, and just be in the lineup every single day. Like a lot of that is on Marcus Semyon. There's gotta be a luck component factor to it too, though. Like he has not had a fluky injury in five years. 40% of hitters that go in the top, I think 200 every year, land on the IL. For Semyon to avoid that year after year after year, um, again, a little bit of skill, but I think there's definitely some luck involved there. If Marcus Semyon starts to fall off that 700 plate appearance total, like his per 600 plate appearance projections are are well behind Ozzy Albies, well behind Altuve, Nico Herner, Matt McLean, a lot of the guys that we'll talk about next. So um, 
I'm personally off of Marcus Semien. I think you're banking on another 700 plate appearance season happening again. Uh, my research has shown there's basically like a one third chance of that happening. And again, Semien's done it five years now, but uh, but I just I don't know. One of these years, it's not going to happen. And when it doesn't, um, like he's not going to crash, but like it, the, the stats don't pop when you get only 600 plate appearances of Marcus. Yeah, Samuel. when he has 22 homers and eight steals and or whatever, exactly. like it, exactly. it definitely comes back down to you know that's a Cattell Marte projection a lot later yep. in, in your ADP. So it's 100 picks later almost. So. I have a couple notes on guys later on that are like semi and on a per plate appearance basis. And when I say later on, like later, later on in yeah. the draft. Uh, and so like, that's fair. I don't know. Mid 30. You mentioned the age. He's going to be what? 33 next year. Yep. Like some point, man, at some point, but it, it has been a hell of a run for the guy. Yeah. It's been dang impressive. I, 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 I'm with you. I've been waiting for it to happen. He keeps doing it. I just, I'd never have shares of Simeon just because where he's going just doesn't work in my, my program basically, but um, teach their own. And Jose Altuve, he's the fourth second baseman off the board, ADP of 43. And people were saying he's too old for a long time now. He was 33 last year, 17 homers, 14 stolen bases, hit 311. That's back to back 300 average seasons with a power to dip. Uh, we only played 90 games too. So maybe per mm-hmm. plate or per game, not that shabby. So still good stuff there, but. The age thing, only 90 games. Kind of goes to the, the theory you're talking about with Simeon. Um, how are we feeling about Jose Altuve? Because, again, I think he's good per game. Awesome. How many games is the question. Like, I liked him in underdog. Took him actually today in a draft. I think there's a lot to, to like in that kind of format. On the flip side, it could be a bit risky, too. So, yeah, it was only 90 games for Altuve. But remember, it's that fractured thumb in the WBC. got hit in the hand. That's what don't, I mean with Simeon. Don't get hit in the hand. Like that's what I mean with Semyon. It's just like that hasn't happened to him in five years. Like it's bound to happen. Um, but yes, I, I, I talked about Semyon enough. Um, so yeah, no, I don't really blame Altuve that much for missing a good chunk of last season. I mean, that fractured thumb kept him out until June. He did have an oblique strain for a little bit in July, but like when this guy was active, he was completely fine. And the other part, of so like the hq projections have altuve 25th hitter going 31st adp wise amongst hitters um there is also a cliff at least in early adp and 15 team leagues where this like late third round fourth round there are a ton of pitchers going there are not many hitters going at all in drafts uh there's a cliff after jose altuve along with like Randy Rosarena and Adelise Garcia, where if you don't grab him or one of those guys in that third, fourth round, um, there's a big drop. And so like, especially when you tack on the fact that uh, second base drops in itself as a position, I think just from like uh, where you can get guys before cliffs start happening, Altuve, uh, not only does it make sense from a projection standpoint, but from like a game theory standpoint at the position and amongst hitters, I think he's a smart grab uh, going at ADP 43. I don't think the age thing, like, yes, he's going to be 34, but there's not much, like a, a slightly declining strikeout rate, but like the power is still there, still 81% on the bases. Like, I think we're fine for another year. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't disagree with that. I just... 
again, this, I, I'm going to be like a broken record. My second baseman's come later in the draft. It's just that I'm just not even focused on these top guys that much. Like they're good players. Altuve could be great. Like I said, I liked him in the underdog format. Um, I, I'm waiting for father time with him as well. I just mm -hmm. kind of get wondering there. So Next do you have do you have any of Albie's semi and Altuve bets? No, any of the teams I, yet? I, I don't have any. No, zero, 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 zero. Um, not not happening for this guy because usually in round two I've come back with like Alonzo or someone in that world, um, and then round three I start getting like SP one. Usually is what it comes down to mm -hmm. so that takes me out of Altuve. That's so I'm just I, I just don't get those guys basically. Yep. Nico Horner, another guy I don't have any shares of. ADP of 59, and um, he was very good last year. No denying that. 283 average, nine homers, 43 stolen bases, 98 runs scored. For me, it's he's not quite a rabbit, but there's a lot of rabbit feel to Nico Horner because it's just the, the, the pop. He's never really going to be a massive power guy unless something really changes. And so you're relying on a heavy speed situation here, and that always scares the snot out of me, and I just kind of – pushes him off my list. I have a better real-life player than fantasy player for me type scenario. So that's my thoughts on Nico Horner. I'll just keep it short and sweet. Like, I think he's really good. Another guy that won't end up anywhere near my teams. Probably not for me either. Yeah, like half rabbit is is, is a good explanation for Nico Horner because he does provide batting average. Mm -hmm. um, he'll get you runs. Nico Horner scored 98 runs. In, yeah. you know, hitting good Cubs his, lineup. So yeah. Yep, good Cubs lineup. Um but the other two categories, man, nine home runs and 688 plate appearances last year for Nico Herner. And in the baseball HQ forecaster, the expected home runs, which we use based off of StatCast, how hard you hit the ball and launch angle, that sort of thing. Five expected home runs for Nico Herner. Five expected home runs over 700 basically plate appearances. You need to be very careful, I think, drafting Nico Herner. Like, so what I talked about with um, Albies, going around like that Alonzo Devers type, you I think you have – the only way you can really take Nico Herner is if you took like an Austin Riley or a Pete Alonzo or some major power bat in your first or second round just because like taking someone this early who will provide pretty much nothing in the power category and not many RBIs, it's, it's tough for me to take a three-category hitter uh, in the first four rounds. Just it's just the way I, I like to draft balanced, and this throws off that balance. And if if anything happens to Nico Herner, a lot of your eggs are in that one stolen base backs yeah. basket, and it's just tough to recover from that if he uh, if he gets hurt. Yep, that's why I hate rabbits for fantasy purposes to begin with. So uh, makes it very very tricky. Matt McLean, the Fab darling of the National League last year, ADP of sixty two right now. In 89 games with the Reds, 16 homers, 14 stolen bases, hit 290. If you combine his 40 games in AAA, we're talking 28 home runs, 24 stolen bases, 95 runs scored, 90 RBIs, hit well over 300. I know that's not you know e e equal math, all things considered, but the dude was a beast. He's a power speed stud, great hit tool. Uh, honestly, when you start looking at him deeper to me, I'd rather have Matt McClain over a few of the guys listed before this. Like, let me even check my over, back, back my back. Over Altuve? Semien? Uh, no, I have him over Horner. I have him fifth right yeah. now. Okay. So I have him right behind those guys. But the more we talk about it, I'm sitting there going, I could probably stomach McClain over some of those guys. But I do have him over Horner for sure. I have him over Horner. 
I think he's he's very Marcus Semien esque, but with even more bags. Um, I will say Matt McLean, like I would not. So he hit 290 in the majors last year. I would not expect that. The BABIP was super high, and I know we don't we don't know what Matt McLean's personal BABIP will be, but I'm guessing it's not whatever 370 or 360, whatever it was last year. It was super high. I also think the power, like the power metrics don't really support what McLean did on a per plate appearance basis. Still think he's a 20 home run bat, 2020 home run bat. Um, but I wouldn't expect like growth. So I, I do think like, I do think Matt McLean is pretty fully priced to be honest. And I don't know, like if you take Matt McLean's rookie year and extrapolate that out over a full season, I think you'll be disappointed. Um, that said, he is an okay pick here. The second base shortstop eligibility always helps. That 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 lineup, that park, you may not need to have the best power metrics in the world to still hit 25-plus home runs at Great American's ballpark. So uh, um, so Matt McLean's fine. I'm, I'm not going head over heels drafting him. I, I don't see like a major step forward for Matt McLean, which, again, is totally reasonable in the fourth or fifth round. Yeah, it's reasonable. Again, I have zero shares of Matt McLean. But um, I think I like the appeal. Just you get him in Great American Small Park in the middle of that. The offense should be very good in Cincinnati again. And I think that just boosts. Like, I know metrics are supposed to bake in all of these um, ballpark factors and everything. But I think there's just certain parks that you can, I know you got to trust your projections, but you can kind of mentally project things a little differently. You can tweak things a little different. That's where I sit with McLean. Again, could be totally wrong, but. I think he's. I wouldn't be shocked if next year we're talking Matt McLean behind Mookie Betts. Let's put it that way. Wow, I would be. I would. I would be. I would be shocked. I think he's got the the upside, but we'll see. We'll see. He's polarizing. There are there are a couple questions about on him in the listener questions part that we'll we'll dive deeper on, but he is definitely pretty polarizing. Most definitely, this next player, Hassan Kim, ADP of eighty six. He's a guy I could expect to fall potentially a lot this time next year. Uh, for a, a few reasons, not per, not not so much his talent level, but playing time. I mean, there's rumors he might get traded. There's a million things, but 17 homers, 38 steals last year with a 260 average. That wasn't bad. That was his breakout campaign. That's kind of what people expected him to be at one point in time. The projections expect a little step back as well, but not a ton. Power speed still there when it comes to hustling Kim. But what's your thoughts on him? Because when I start seeing a guy like with his profile. I like the guy going right after him in Glaber. I like Jimenez and a few other guys later were outside of the positional flexibility that House yeah. on Kim gives you. He's not really there for me. And maybe in a redraft and we're not talking DCs, this ADP might change quite a bit. Yeah, I think there's two things going on with Kim with the price. It's the recency bias tax and it's the draft and hold, like get me someone who's eligible second, short, and third tax as well, um, which I don't really like paying that much for like Haseon Kim for me is is a fade I don't think there's much power here at all I know he hit 17 home runs last year uh the barrel rate was awful four percent barrel rate just does not make hard contact HQ at 11 expected home runs on those 17 so like I don't think like I don't I don't know if Haseon Kim will reach double digit home runs and so what I just talked about with Nico Herner comes into play here as well. Like I think, I think Kim needs to steal 35 bases to 
pay off even like pay off this ADP because I don't think you're getting much batting average. I don't think you're getting many homers. You're not getting Juan Soto in San Diego, so I don't know what the runs in RBI look like. Um, I mean, that said, he did steal 38 bases last year, but you just have to wonder, like, will that repeat given Kim's track record? There's a new manager, Mike Schultz, in San Diego. Again, not saying he's going to turn all the red, all the lights red and whatnot, but, like, you just don't know if Kim's going to be uber, uber aggressive again on the base pass, and he kind of has to be in order to return this type of value given – what Kim does not do for your batting average and home runs. I'm, I'm, I'm taking, so we've got our 17 home run projection here for steamer up on the screen. I'm taking the hard, hard under on that. And then you throw a 250 batting average like that. Like, I don't know. There's a couple of guys later that you can get cheaper that I think are just as good as Haseon Kim. And you're not buying coming off of a, uh, coming off a career year. Yeah. He's my 12th second baseman in my rankings. And so we're not getting too- him. No, that might be too high still, but yeah, no, no, so, no, Kim. So that's another no shirt. Bubba, have you, so you have not drafted anybody we've talked about yet? Nope. Nope. How many nope. teams My, do you have? Uh, enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the correct answer. That's the correct answer. <laughs> I didn't expect to be on trial on the podcast. We're talking about second base, but it's not me. <laughs> I mean, Bubba, like second base is a position you need to draft somebody. So. Oh, I know. We're going to get to them. We're getting close. Like the next guy, Eventually. I like a lot. So we're we're gonna start getting there. Who's next? Glaber. Oh yeah, he's yeah. Like is next. He's got an ADP of ninety one. I love me some Glaber. Been team Glaber for a couple years now, and it's paid off. Twenty five bombs, thirteen stolen bases last year. Hit two seventy three. Again, it's one of those things where people were getting annoyed by him. He was so young. He's still. He's only gonna be twenty seven this year. Feels like he's been around forever. He's getting better and better. Um, he either hits at the top or in the middle of the Yankees lineup. just depends on injuries with the Yankees, but, uh, he's going to hit in a prime spot in the lineup. The power is legit to me. Like he's a 25 ish guy almost religiously, but the fact he throws in the steals, he might get you close to a hundred runs. If things, if he hits more towards the top of the order, just depends on how that works. It's, it's a pretty strong, like four ish to four and a half category player that you get with Gabriel Torres. I like him a lot. Um, just for, sake here he's my seventh guy and i really want to move him over nico horner like i just, i really want to just bump nico horner all the way down to hustle and kim but i i love i love glaber torres so i'm a big fan of him and this would be one of the first guys that i do have a share of on my team all right so you do recognize second base as an actual position yes it does establish that so we're good we're good there um full agree man full agree i had i had torres's box in the forecaster and here's how i wrapped it up uh, consistent running game. It's hard to see a big step forward from what he did in 2023, but I wrapped it up saying this feels like 25, 10 production. You can confidently bank. And that was before the Yankees obviously added Juan Soto. Like he's, he's probably hitting right behind Verdugo Soto judge in that lineup. Like he might hit there will be, That's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. There will be RBI opportunity galore for Glaber Torres. And I would challenge you. So like I talked about Semyon before, this is Marcus Semyon on a per plate appearance basis going uh, four rounds later. And again, what am I a little diatribe about plate appearances earlier? Like I, if I'm a betting man, I'd bet Semyon has more plate appearances than Torres this year, but like, it's certainly not a shoe in by any means. And so I think you're getting the same player four rounds later, Glaber Torres to me is an absolute smash at this price. Um, 
interesting. Like he didn't run at all early in his career. And like 2021, he had 14 stolen bases randomly, but he followed that up with 10 and then 13. Like yep. this is, this is well-rounded production at a very good draft cost uh, for Torres. Big fan. Looking at Curlin's MLB playing time.com. He does the lefty and the righty lineups. He's got he's got Glaber batting fourth in both of them, in both. like which makes sense. Like the way you mentioned it, because like versus the only difference would be is he's got Lemayhi leading off first lefties instead of Verdugo, but then Soto, Judge, Torres, boom, boom, boom. Like it makes a ton of sense, and that's and if if that lineup were to stay healthy, like dude, you got Rizzo, Giancarlo, like there's bats. Volpe sucks, but does have some power. Like so, that's a interesting interesting production coming up there joe rico in the chat says glaber over nico horner i agree i'll, I'll be i'll be making that change after the show yep um tom travato says does glaber hit one or six in that lineup different counting stats that's a good point i i don't i can't see glaber leading off if he does there'll be runs galore instead of rbi galore the only way, way he's lead- gonna be galore yeah something the only way he leads off is if DJ's gets hurt because Glaber was leading off at one point last year, and then DJ started clicking. DJ went to lead off, and Glaber moved to the middle of the order. So I think it'll be like we said: Glaber hitting fourth until injuries dictate things, and the way the Yankees work, injuries will dictate things. So yeah. uh, just buckle up. But hopefully, one of the injuries is not Glaber Torres because it has not been one of those yet. All right, the next guy I have zero shares of, and that is Bryson Stott. Um, we talked about him in the review, and he stood out like a sore thumb. Big, big season. Played 151 games, 15 homers, 31 steals, hit 280, all fine and dandy. Uh, really cool stuff. I'm just not as big of a believer. Like the talent was there, it was good. I think there's a little bit of Nico Horner in this that scares the crap out of me, and that's where I just kind of like back off. Like we we talked about it, we like stability a little more. Give me Glaber if I want to take a gamble couple guys like the next four guys i like over bryson stott so um i'm just out on stock because all it takes is like one il stint or something and the whole profile goes to heck and it's just not going to work i also like the next funny you mentioned that i like the next night i hate to agree with you on every player we've had a couple disagreements but like uh, the next four guys are pretty much on they're all yeah they're all over my squads like they're just littered all over my squads yep um bryson stott like the herner comp the nico comp is is good except i don't think stott has nico's speed and nico doesn't have stott's power and nico doesn't have stott power yeah but stott really doesn't have power man he had 15 last year but like five percent barrel rate like yeah, how about stott versus hung sung kim there's a comparison for you <laughs> that is probably a better comp that is yeah. probably a better comp and stott's going later uh my answer would be neither uh i just i, I don't know what bryson stott really does outside of steel bases um he's really good at stolen bases last year 91 percent success rate so like we do need to honor that he took advantage of the new rules struck out less often um in 2023 than he did in 22 and this is just bryson stott's age 26 season so maybe there is some some room for growth but i think if you're just talking redraft leagues like the batting average is okay uh hq we're projecting like 260 without much power um, I don't know. It's just I I like I like the guys going after him more, and thus I will not be taking Bryson Stott. Could be wrong on him. Could yeah. be a big gross season, age twenty six, but uh, be on someone else's team. Yeah, I'm looking. I got Kim twelve and Stott thirteen in my rankings, so it pretty much checks out in that regard. Now the tenth guy in ADP right now, 
big fan. I had a lot of him last year, too. His price is a little higher now. Not a ton, though. Uh, Andres Jimenez, ADP of 106. He did it again last year, folks. 15 homers, 30 stolen bases. Counting stats are a little down. That's kind of what keeps him down in ADP. That's kind of a Guardians thing more than anything. Hit 251 after hitting 297 in 2022. This is probably more who he is, but that power, he's a 15 home run guy with 25 ish. Like he's a stolen base machine with the power appeal and lefty power in Cleveland plays well. So he could, you never know, run into some more just for the fact he's going to be 25. Like he's still getting older. I love Andres Jimenez. No problems with Andres Jimenez. Um, yes, he'll be on some teams of mine. What about you? Yep, I've got uh, in my prep here, he's Ha Seung Kim going two rounds later with more power. Maybe not as many stolen bases, maybe, but Jimenez maybe. stole 30. I mean, like, come on. Uh, that's only eight fewer than than Kim did last year. Um, and Jimenez, like, some, like a good combo last season of a career best strikeout rate and a career low Babbitt. So Jimenez only hit 251 last year, hit 297 the year before, man. Um, like I, I don't think he hits 297 again, but I no. think Jimenez could be a batting average asset. And with more hits, this is not breaking news, but with more hits, you're on first base more often. I think that leads to even more stolen bases. So I took Andres Jimenez actually in our uh, current draft and hold that we're in. In I don't know what round, wherever wherever he's going. I think I guess eighth round, um, and felt pretty damn good about it because again. To go back to what I talked to on the top, there's only like a couple more stolen base sources at the position left. And so mm-hmm. uh, you, it's like now or never time. And Jimenez is certainly a good option in that regard. And it's kind of fun because, you know, we give Curlin a lot of flack because, well, he deserves it. But <laughs> keeps um, wanting to come on the show, man. We keep saying, yeah, the, keep oh, saying I no. put him in his, I, I put him in his place. Don't you worry. But, um, he does a lot of research on these things, like the lefty righties and all that stuff. So I, I give him credit on this. And this is what kind of makes Jimenez fun when you're trying to project things because when you look at counting stats versus righties, and this is kind of what you saw last year. That's why he uses these trends. First righties, he'll probably hit second in between Quan and Ramirez. First lefties, he'll probably hit fifth. So you have one, like, majority of the time, he'll be a run producer. The other rest of the time, he's an RBI producer. Like, nice that, so he, that's where he kind of fits in that 70 ish in both categories. He's not, he, so he might not be elite in either one, but he'll accumulate enough to get you like maybe a combined 150 plus, which is it's just pretty good. So think of it that way. Don't think of it so much as he's like holding you back. He's just going to keep you kind of level, is what I'm trying to say, with some pop, with some speed, with hopefully batting average. Like, he's, he's pretty solid. I like that quite a bit. It's interesting. Uh, the HQ projections Jimenez is the 50 cent, 57th overall hitter bryson stott 103 checks out (laughs) um all right so that's the top 10 kind of sad we can't go farther here but we'll hit on the important we'll we'll, we'll hit hit on the important people sure yeah um 11 through 20 it's catel Marte, geloff estrada tyro luis rise tommy edmund gorman julian ryan mcmahon jonathan india and brandon drury so as usual we'll each take a couple here and talk about why we like them and I'll let Ryan kick things off with one of the best ones here. Yeah, I stole this one off your sheet. Yep. I, so I, peek I, behind I, the curtain. We uh, we share this Google sheet. Bubba picked all four of his picks before I picked one. But so you were nice about it. You said I could have Tyro, and I uh, I took advantage. So Tyro Estrada is my favorite uh, second baseman going from eleven to twenty. Had his box in the forecaster and put an upside label of 20 home runs, 30 steals on Estrada. Like sticking out my neck a little bit because 
this was a full-blown breakout until he broke his hand in July. And so you're kind of like banking on a half season of production from Andres or Andres Jimenez, Tyro Estrada. Um, but like even last year, or sorry, 2022, Estrada had 14 homers, 21 steals, hit 260. So like he kind of even improved upon that in the first half and then injuries just kind of torpedoed Estrada's second half. But even with that, hit 271 last year, 14 homers, 23 steals and 530 plate appearances. I think Tyro Estrada, yeah, could reach 30 steals, could reach 20 homers. Um, will probably hit 260, 270. Like there's not really a weakness in his game. You can nitpick the power a little bit, but uh, that ticked up at least before the hand injury and things went south in the second half, which again, fluky injury. I don't expect that to happen again. Um, Estrada will be on a ton of my teams this year. Yep, you and me both. In the draft we were in, I double-tapped on the turn Estrada and Geloff combo, which is oh so sweet because uh, Estrada's second base shortstop and Geloff is obviously second base. And the one thing before I go on to Geloff, of course, is um, I have Estrada ninth, I have Geloff tenth, but I love what you said about Estrada, the fact that um, – because that's the thing I see so many times. I saw it so much last year. People kept saying it is, oh, the power's not legit, this, that, and the other. And I'm like – I know I'm biased because I'm a Giants guy, but I do watch this him a lot. And it's the thing we talk about with like Paredes and everything. And Paredes way more power. Don't get me wrong. But Estrada pulls his power. And that's like the thing like you got to look at. Like we all look at the barrel numbers on these guys. And we said it with Kim and other guys. And there's a reason why a lot of it is true. But you also got to look where those barrels are going. Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference with Estrada. Because I remember this same show last year, I, had, I went to bat for him. And it was like his – fly ball barrel rate was like so much more like so much better he was more of a ground ball hitter so it kind of offset and people said he couldn't hit for power and it was just one of those things that now you've seen it and you're on the same page type thing i think there is legit 20 home run power there and that's pretty beautiful so yes just had to had to have some more tyro love out there because he deserves it and I, I know i stole him from you but i i took your boy and made him my boy so that's... no that's fine that's fine we can share him we can share him it's not a problem around here i can't have all the boys like this is enough <laughs> never mind let's, let's, let's moving let's along go. to yeah. bubba's uh favorite pick of the 11th to 20th rank at second base we uh, have zach, zach geloff zach geloff of the oakland a's and uh the only reason why he's behind tyro is tyro's a better bad average source than geloff Geloff at 267 last year, 14 and 14, which is beautiful. I think the power and speed is as legit as they come. I wrote a profile on him on my sub stack. And when I dig in, like the, the to me, the barrel rates, the pull rates, the fly ball rates, everything, everything showcases some good power. Like there's the biggest thing with him is a lot of swing and miss. The the strikeout rate is very high. And that's why the, I think the bag average is an overachievement this past year. And that'll come back down. But the power and speed is very, very legit. He'll hit, should be around the probably the middle of the A's lineup because they're that bad. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah, it's that bad. But I, I just, I, I love, and as Rico said, are you supporting cast? Yes, Geloff's, or no, the park won't suppress his power. It didn't last year. I like, guess not the issue. Um, he's going to be just fine in that regard. And Oakland, people talk about the park, but. If you pull the ball in Oakland, it still flies pretty good. It's the center, like the the gap to gap. That's where Oakland gets you bad. And the right field to the left is a little worse. But down the line and left, you're fine. Um, but, yeah, I like Gallo a ton. The power speed, this is a guy that can go 20, I think 25, 25. I might be more optimistic than most. 
Um, it's the bad average that'll hold you back and the counting stats being in Oakland. I think you'll be quite happy at that ADP of an ADP of 135. I, I think you'll be just fine with that to kind of set up. I'm not as high, not as high. I, I do think so. I think the batting average is, is rough. It could be like very rough for Zach Gellop. I, I'm with you on the power speed. I think he could, I mean, Steamer's projecting 2020. So like that's, I mean, that's, that's legit. HQ is projecting pretty much the same thing, 2020. Um, but it, HQ is projecting a 241 batting average, Steamer at 238. And it's not just the batting average. It's that batting average with that just awful supporting cast. Like, I can't see how Zach Geloff gets 80 runs or RBI in Oakland. And so, like, none of this is his fault. Zach Geloff's a great player. I Like I said, I agree with the power speed. But, like, I think he's a plus in only those two categories. And if you're if you're getting a really low batting average guy without the runs in RBI, because who's going to drive him in? Who's going to be on base when Geloff is up? Just from a pure, like, valuation standpoint, those three categories are dragging. And uh, this doesn't happen to many guys. Again, it's not Geloff's fault. It's where, he's, where he plays. It's the team he's on. Um the valuations, like the projections, are are have Geloff way below uh, everyone going around him, and and for that reason, despite being a twenty twenty guy, um, those other three categories, I think that just that holds him back. I'd love to see Zach Geloff get traded, and I'd be fully on board. But as long as he's in Oakland, I I'm not saying it's a it's a bad pick or anything. It's um it's just not one that stands out to me. He had seventy two combined runs in RBIs in sixty nine games last year combined 72 that's not that much in 69 games yeah yeah he plays in 150 games all right what's that 160 that? let's say let's say <laughs> let's say he plays what 150 what do we get yeah. 155 we'll be nice to him divided by 69 games he said yeah how many runs plus rbi 72 that gives him 80 runs in rbi next year so 160 160 total. Yeah, I'll take that. Sign me up right now. I'll take the under on that, though. But we just that. talked about Andres Jimenez being like 150 to 160 runs an RBI guy. Uh, Did we? Did we? That's what the projections show. He had a one. He had 75 runs, 62 RBI last year. No, that's a good point. Good that's what I'm saying. Like, we're trying to like downplay his counting stats, but if you look at a lot of these second basemen after the elite guys at the top, a lot of them have holes in their counting stats. Yeah, and actually we have a question in the chat from Thomas. How much should we focus on counting stats when we're differentiating between these players? I think we should. We should, um, yeah. This goes back to a question yeah. last week of like, how do we project runs in RBI? It's very, it's very impossible. difficult. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of like, like qualitative factors uh at play here but i think it's something you definitely need to talk about yeah it's like a tiebreaker probably type thing if anything like you do take it into account you don't want a complete dud but i'm just saying if we're gonna throw shade on geloff let's look around the room <laughs> at the other options that's all i'm saying so. we had 40 rbi 30 40 runs 32 rbi last year and 300 plate appearances yeah so now he gets a steamer 600 that's 80 and 64 80 and 64. It's okay. It's okay. not bad. Better than you're giving them credit for. I mean, you um, just did the A's preview. Are they going to be better or worse than they were last year? They're going to suck. But but they the sucked last side, year. But the bright side is, is if, he, if he bats second, 
You have Ruiz in front of him. He actually gets on base more than people want to give him credit for. Steals um, second. Yeah, and he gets to the scoring position. And then you got Rooker dropping 30 bombs. And then you got Noda, Brown, like guys that will run into some balls. If Geloff can just get on base, which, again, if the bad average sucks, big problem. If Geloff can just get on base, the runs will be there. He can drive an Estuary Ruiz. It, like it's, it's there. It's really See, there. That, that's the other thing, though. So when we mentioned the, the 40 runs, 32 RBI last year, that's with a 267 batting average. Oh, yeah. I yeah, think he's hitting 240. Yeah. So the like that average drop that, will hurt. Yeah. Yes. I don't we'll know. See. I, 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 I don't want to say I'm out on him. It's just like he's not. Like, he's fine there. He's fine there. Well, I'm out on your next guy. So who's your next one you're talking about? Ooh, who we got? Who would I put? Arias. I got a one category player. Uh give him give him a little bit more credit than that. Give him a little bit more credit than that. Uh Luis Arias is by ADP the where the hell is he going? 153 last year. Finished 90th on the Rasball Player Raider last year. So all he needs to do is repeat from evaluation standpoint, repeat what he did last year, and you're building in 60 picks of profit. There is like, and this is the caveat. He does, I, he does not do much of anything except <laughs> get base hits. But this is what I was talking about with Freddie Freeman last, last, last episode. There is like nobody outside of like Freeman who can even touch Luis Arias's batting average. The bat and the batting average is here to stay. This is an interesting thing in the in the baseball forecaster that we put on. He's got a super high line drive rate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting a little bit in the weeds here, but the, the line drive rate is really good. And the launch, they call it launch angle tightness, like the consistency that Luis Arias hits those line drives is elite. Uh, so he has the perfect bat path, makes a ton of contact. I think he hits over 320 next season. Like, yes, he may not hit 10 home runs or still 10 bases, but that gives you such an advantage in batting average that you can build around that with other picks just know what i mean know what you're getting into with luis arias but like the batting average cushion is just so massive that from a valuation standpoint again he's being valued like 60 picks better uh than he's going in drafts right now so um so yeah tell me tell me why i'm wrong outside of uh the one category that's all it is to me for some godforsaken reason he gets hurt or something your whole yeah. like it's it's the roster construction part. Like with Freeman, he gives you everything else with the with the average. So it's either you drafted a bunch of free swingers that hit for nothing, so you need the average later, which maybe, but those free swingers better give you the other categories you need type situation. That's my that's my conundrum with her eyes. It's like basically he's a rabbit, but as average instead of stolen bases. So I guess the I guess just for debate purposes. If you don't like rabbits, why would you like a rise? And I, and I agree. I think he is a very good average guy. I don't see that changing as long as he's on the field. I get that. Where a rabbit could stop, I'll beat you to the punch on that one. But like, why would you like a one category rise over like a Nico Horner? No, it's it's a fair it's a fair thing. And any any time you're doing all eggs in one basket, there is always that risk. So if you plan for the Arias batting average cushion, that that's not there your batting average could be sunk. It's why I like to draft balanced guys. Um, yep. I will add, Luis Arias had a very Zach Geloff-esque 100, <laughs> 140, 140 runs plus RBI last year, my man. This ain't no one category, guys. Uh, 
This is why Ryan and I get along so well. Like, let's go the back and forth, dude. Right 88, 88 runs for Arias in twenty twenty two. This is a two category guy. Oh, you're something else. <laughs> um, we got a question from Gialdi in the chat. Why draft? Why take Arias at one fifty when you can have McNeil at three hundred? Uh, McNeil only hit like 270 last year. Like there's there's a 60 point, 50 point batting average difference between the two, and that's that's massive in my opinion. Yeah, that's huge. And if you're believing the preseason Rasball player rater for 2024, Arise is predicted to be 10th at second base, while Geloff is 19th. So I'll give that one to you. Boom! Look at this. Dude, it's all falling into place. Well, I'm not believing it. I'm not believing it for like this. We're gonna have like I think we have have a bets episode at the end of the year, and just have like a players we're not in on. So uh, it has some fun with this because like Thomas says, Arise and Muncie second base, third base combo that would be something. But then where you're still in bases. Yeah, that's the thing. Like Arise, if if Arise gave you like 15 steals, it'd be like, oh yes. my god, that'd be sweet. That's but... the thing is like, and he you look at him going. You need to like do something, <laughs> and that's all I'm waiting for. Because again, I agree, great real life player, very very tricky for me in fantasy. That's all I'm gonna say. I just can't. Maybe I'm not confident in my fantasy building abilities, but uh, I just can't. can't you need to there. go like you need to go like C.J. Abrams, Adelise Garcia earlier, yeah. guys who get you homers and steals yeah. without the batting average. But again. It's risky. This, this does go back to it's very risky. Where if any, if any, there's like single points of failure with the way you're building that team, and so maybe I'm talking myself out of a rise, but I just, uh, I don't know. I, th- I feel like it's good discussion, and I oh, that's, again, that's from what... a from a pure valuation standpoint, like he absolutely pops at this ADP. Like it's not close. That's why I'm enjoying these because the, we're not agreeing on everything. It opens up a least discussion points, which is good. And Ryan and I will still be friends after the show. That's the beauty of it. So. Um, my fourth guy is Ryan McMahon. I've always been a McMahon guy. He's the 18th first uh, second baseman off the board, ADP of 227. He's second base, third base, which is also a plus. But what I love about McMahon, I feel like I say it every single season, either via article or podcast, when it comes to Ryan McMahon, is if you want consistency, just this is what he does. 151-plus games in three straight years, 20-plus home runs, five to six steals. He's going to get you like two out of the three years, 80 runs. Uh, 70-ish RBIs, hits 245. Like, that's just kind of what Ryan McMahon does. And we've said time and time again, like, stability. We like stability. And Ryan McMahon, to me, is it's not like jump off the paper. We're going to go, you know, surprise the world and get MVP. But it's so stable that you can just throw him out there, build around him, and it's just it, – it, it's comforting as the draft goes. I picked 227 to get a guy that you can pretty much pencil in his stat line is very, very hard to find and very, very nice to me. I love Ryan McMahon. Yep. And with the, the with the cores, I, I don't know his home away splits last year, but with the cores thing, you you can kind of optimize on a weekly basis, uh Ryan McMahon as needed. So I like it. I like it. I'll tell you a splits right here just for fun because I got it. Um home away. He hit 261 at home, two nineteen on the road, fourteen homers at home, nine homers on the road. Yeah. So. so if you've got like in draft and holds, if you've got another second baseman or, or something, if you've got some flexibility, get McMahon in on those home weeks. Um, Two twenty seven looks even better. For sure. ADP twenty one plus. Who's your first player? Uh, it's a Bloomboards guy 
for I forget what why the hell he's a Bloomboards guy. <laughs> um, where is he at? ADP faller. He's an ADP faller. It is Jorge Polanco. Can't find his freaking thing to have his actual. Anyway, it's Jorge Polanco, who I feel is like 37 years old, but is not, is entering age 30 season. This is a guy who just two years ago hit 269, 33 homers, 11 steals. Yes, the injuries have been an issue, but I just feel on a on a per game basis, and if Polanco can get healthy in a, in a pretty good Minnesota lineup going at 271, like that 250 batting average projection, 21 homers by Steamer in what is likely a partial season, given the plate appearance history from Jorge Polanco. Um, I just think if you can kind of luck out with the health, you're getting a really good buy. Second half last year when when Polanco finally was healthy because he had knee issues and hamstring issues, uh, really started to get healthy and get rolling in the second half, 10 homers, 260, three steals. Like that, that'll do uh, where... Polanco's going like whatever 20th outside the top 20 at second base. Yeah, Thomas says Polanco over McMahon. They have similar projections. If you told like, me Polanco would stay healthy, yes. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you got a higher ceiling with Polanco, but a, a lower floor. 100%. That's that's why I usually still take McMahon, but it's a good good comp. Um, for me, I had to do it. Just it was. I laughed. Oh Jesus! I, yeah, I laughed. As, I laughed as I typed it in. Luis Ringifo. ADP of 259, plays all over the diamond. Um, I talked about him plenty, but he hit 16 homers, stole six bags in 126 games last year, hit 264. He's going to lead off for the Angels. Make of it what you will with their lineup. We'll see how that turns out. But it's back-to-back years with at least 16 home runs. Uh, he's shown that type of power. Projections have him playing more games this year, which he should, and they got him over. They got him 2010 with 261. He's actually uh, projected to have more runs in RBIs than Zach Geloff. So you got that going for I mean, him. who isn't? Yeah, who exactly. Isn't? It's it's starting to all come clear now. Like that gets a bum. <laughs> so um we got that going. But uh I love Luis Rangifo. I think he the fact he fills all the positions for you, he, like everywhere in the six second, third, short, and outfield. It's glorious what Rangifo can do. He's gonna lead off and uh, the power of speed. And he's not like literally one of the few guys as the draft goes on that's gonna give you a little bit of everything. So give me Luis Rangifo. And all those other positions you mentioned, shortstop, third base, outfield, are future episodes on the bubble and the blue I, podcast. I, mean, I, will, so I look I forward put to you fawning over Ring. I won't put them on everyone. Every I week. promise. Uh, no, it's a great pick. I I I, I love the pick. Ringifo is extremely underpriced right now. Yep, yep. And I have so many shares. Who's your next guy? Um, I'm going with the free agent discount slash recency bias discount. I'm going. Ahmed Rosario is projected by Seamer to hit 275 with 15 steals, 11 homers. Um, somewhat banking on the fact that Ros- Rosario will find a team and play regularly. I just think this is a guy coming off, admittedly, a really bad season where he got traded to LA and then just like didn't play regularly in the second half. Uh, but you look back at 2021 and 2022, Rosario hit 282 and 283 in those two seasons. Uh, stole a total of 31 bases, double-digit homers each each of those years, like going outside the top 300, eligible at second and shortstop. I think once Ahmed Rosario signs, and if he signs in a place where he's going to play every day, this ADP will, I think, skyrocket as it should. So I'd get in now on Ahmed Rosario. Yep, no complaints on that one. Um, 
that's been your boy for a long time, so no oh, complaints yeah. there. Uh, mine's going to be Bryce Terang, and this is more of looking at ADP. It's at 328. Um, strong side of a platoon for now. I just like what we saw at the end of the year. You know, six only six homers, but 26 steals, hit 218, but it was just kind of a, a weird season for Terang. High expectations, off, obviously got off to a horrific start. And, you know, second half only hit 229, but it was just the improvements he made – um, down the stretch, especially in August, was very strong. Got kind of banged up again in September. But we saw some signs of life there. And at worst, you got a stolen base dude later, which I, I really, really like because he should steal a ton. So any second base and shortstop eligible, which is nice in a, in a DC as the draft goes on. So And, and also, Steamer's got him projected to hit closer to 245, which would be much appreciated after that 218 last year. Um, yeah, I think there's more to like with him. We saw a little more power in the minors, uh, but tons of speed, better average. I think there's a lot to um, enjoy, at least at an ADP of 328. We'll see. So. Yeah, I I think that's a great call, especially because, like, to, to bring this full circle, there are no stolen bases late in second base, and yep. this is this is a guy to do it. And who's to say, like, yes, he's a platoon right now, but Bryce Terang is 24 years old. Who's to say he can't exactly. grow and – develop against left-handed pitching uh well, i wouldn't his, bank on it happening but it could and like his platoon partners andrew monasterio like right. you tell me terrain can't you know figure that one out like i wouldn't be shocked either i'm with you so the expectations are high super young that was one thing i remember when we reviewed the position second base is very young so like a lot of these guys we could see productions change a ton as they get more developed like a lot of things could shift at this position which makes it fun as well Final thoughts on second base. Like, uh, I think everybody already knows how I'm attacking it. Wait until the pocket later on. But uh, how are you attacking second base? I think you're, yeah, I think your sweet spot is that like Glaber Torres through 91 to 135, basically. Yeah, through like Tyro Estrada range. I think you've got some options there with Torres, Jimenez, Marte, Estrada, Geloff. Um, I think that's where you want to go. If you go early, I think you're fine taking Albies, even Betts um, or Altuve. Just don't don't wait. Don't wait until late to go second base. I know you can get like a McMahon or Terang or some of the guys we just mentioned, but those guys are going late for a reason. Like there's risk there. So um, get 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 make second base a priority in those middle rounds and ideally get someone who can steal some bases because there ain't much after that. Yep, 100% agree. That's kind of the philosophy I've been rolling with, and I don't see it changing very much unless I get uh, wild. Like I know um, Gialdi's mentioning Gavin Lux. I'm, I'm on that train as well. I got some Lux shares also, but um, yeah, we, uh, we'll we see how that one pans out also. All right, we got some listener questions. You guys came through in a big, big way. Let me find the first one. Here we go. Simon P., he's back. Took a little breather here. He said, it's good to be back to baseball Catching up on your team previews. Question, is Mookie more valuable as an outfielder or a second base this year? Say in a DC, any five outfielder league or an NL only league, would you draft with a specific strategy the rest of the way if you land on him first? It's a good question. Um, I think I prefer him in the outfield because I'll, I'll get my pocket later, but how would you approach that? I am actually looking at the numbers now. So there's just remember the number 14. Yeah, 14, you got it. Um, that's kind of your replacement level valuation at second base. And if you go outfield, what's 
five times 15. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> How many outfielders? 75. 75. Um, couple utilities in there. Outfield is like 11 to 12. And so those numbers I'm saying don't really matter. It's the standing gains points. It's evaluation. Um, Mookie bets just by replacement level at that position in 15 team leagues is more valuable in outfield than second base. Which probably even more valuable in all only as you get even deeper. So yeah. Yeah. I can see that yep. for sure. Um, and then, he, then Simon also asked, barring injury, over or under 500 at-bats for India? Oh, well. Okay, just over or under for India? 500 at-bats? Yeah. Under. I'm going under, too, with so many questions in there. Brandon Drury, I'm going over. Easy over. Yeah, barring injuries. Gavin Lux, I'm going to go over for barring injuries. but Go over. It sounds like yeah. he's starting in, in, yeah. in yeah, shortstop. shortstop. Yep. Uh, Ringifo definitely over. Ah, oh, dude, like uh-huh. a thousand plate appearances. Yeah. Really. like uh, Nolan Gorman. I'm going under. Gorman, I'm going to go under. There's some yeah. back issues there, lingering stuff. And he could platoon also. He could platoon. Yep, under. Uh, Bay of Pittsburgh. I'm going to go under. Uh... <laughs> That's a yes from Bloomfield. Um, <laughs> Under <laughs> Michael, I've heard, dude, I thought you meant Jason Bay. I'm like, no. dude, Bay uh, from Pittsburgh. My man, he retired like ten no. years ago. Now, Gwan Bay, base threat for Pittsburgh. I'm <laughs> I'll go. go. I'll go on. Yeah, I'm gonna go with my Michael Massey. Under. Yeah, that's that. Massey's one of the closest to like right around 500, <laughs> I think. And then Westberg of Baltimore. I'm gonna go. Over, but no, if he doesn't produce, they have a lot of replacements coming. That's the thing. I'll go under just because there's a lot of competition. If there's a slump there, I could see playing time going away. All right. Thomas Travato, who's in the chat right now, also dropped a question for us. Late targets after 280p, where is the value? Can you find a 1525 guy late who will pop this year? Luis from Gifo. Jorge Polanco. Yeah, the dudes we talked about, basically. If Terang figures it out, he's got the power speed. But I think Polanco, Ringifo, those are your main 1525 type guys for sure. Brandon Lau is interesting to me, too. Um, as Bubba shakes his head, it's all health. But the yeah. there's power there. There's some speed. I don't know. Yep. I just, I just, one of those biases of mine potentially, I decided it's never Brandon Lau because the health just always, yeah, the, back, the health is, the back is, just goes every time. Is a major every issue. Year. Yep. Yeah. I just, it's a stress I don't want to deal with, basically. I have enough stress in my life. Um, the guild says, why doesn't Tyro go higher, yo? I agree, bro. I agree. I agree. I agree. Should we go like how, how much higher? I know. I think he's being kind of sarcastic, but it, so right now he's what, ADP 13? I take him ahead I, of Geloff. I take I, him ahead of Marte. I have I take him, him ahead of Stott. I have him ninth in my rankings. That's I've got him spots. around probably below Torres and Jimenez who are going at ADPs. Yeah, here we go. This, this will be posted on my show. It's on the screen, right? 91 and 106. So, like, yeah, I think Estrada could be going two to three rounds earlier. Yep, yep. We're on the same page there for sure. Uh, Eric Samolski asks, McLean average, McLean's average feels insultingly low to me. Hit 290 last year despite lower pull rates and higher called strike rates than he's ever had which suggests a young player perhaps being cautious in his first call-up. As he gets more comfortable, why would he hit worse? You kind of hit on this earlier, though. Yeah, uh, I mean, a 30% strikeout rate for Matt McLean. Like, that's really high. There's just a lot of swing and miss. Um, Steamer's projecting 255. HQ is projecting 
260. So like there was a second half slide there with Matt McLean. I know there were some injuries and, and whatnot. I know there's this whole first half or second half kind of become a thing on Twitter, but like for young players, I do weigh the second half and how pitchers adjusted to these guys. Uh, McLean hit 260 in the second half. So I just think there's a ton of swing and miss super, super high Babbitt for Matt McLean. that I talked about earlier. So I, I actually think like 260 is about yeah. right for McLean for 2024. Uh, HQ Brant Chesser writes, what is your preferred strategy for second base? I have found myself waiting until picks 93 and 140. Don't draft with us then. That's exactly what we just said. Yep, yep exactly. To, to the same exact picks. Yep, pretty much. Yep, don't draft with us. Uh, Daniel Preppis says, with full time at bats against right handed pitching at least and lineup spot, Brendan Donovan will crush that projection. Supremely mispriced if you buy into those skill chances, changes which appear fully sorted. Brendan Donovan's got an ADP of 288 in the platoon, but strong side, as Preppis was saying. Yeah, and the projection that Preppis is referring to is a 279 with 12 homers and seven steals for Brendan Donovan. Um, I'll be honest, I don't quite see it. I don't see the power. Brendan Donovan had just 16 barrels last year on 11 homers, so like, I don't really see a 35% hard hit rate. Like, I don't really see the hard contact there for Donovan to take another step forward. Um, it doesn't run that much, so like. I feel like it's kind of an empty batting average for Brendan Donovan. Preppis is a smart dude. I could very well be wrong, but that's what I'm seeing. Yep. Well, again, I'll stick to my dumbness and take Rangifo or something and, and roll those directions in playing time, but could be interesting to say the least. Uh, our buddy Ben Tid, why doesn't Cattell go higher in your guys' opinions? He's going to hit second in a good lineup and hits for average. Pro he says probably the inconsistency he's had over his career. I think it's 100% what it is. The health. He finally played 150 games last year. She has not done since 2018. So we haven't seen the power fully develop. I, I think it's just a complete question of health and playing time. Yeah, we kind of glossed over Marte because he's like the 11th yep. second baseman off the board and we didn't pick him in our 10 to 20 range. But yeah, that's it for me is the really the track record. Like Marte last year basically hit, if you add up 2021 and 22 together, home runs and steals, that's what he did in a single season last year could tell Marte's career year was in 2019, the happy fun ball year. So like I've never really fully given could tell Marte credit for that. And yeah, it's just like the 2020 through 2022 track record is, is pretty poor. So uh, it was great last year. I just think that's, that's going to be hard for him to repeat. For sure. Uh, Gialdi in the chat thoughts on Jose Caballero. Uh, he came over in the Seattle deal to Tampa Bay. Going to yeah. probably be the starting shortstop to at least start out the season. Um, I like Caballero. The speed is legit. 26 steals last year in 104 games. The power, not so much. That's the conundrum. But the speed will play. His glove's not bad, so he'll play a lot for um, Tampa Bay. And I guess depending on where everything else shakes out, I think he could be interesting, but I, I have him like my 37th second baseman right now because I'm still like, Outside of steals, what do you get? But at the same time, you're not paying a premium like you are elsewhere. He currently, over the last 12 drafts or 15 drafts, ADP of 490. So yeah, I think I think Caballero for that reason, for the price and the stolen base upside alone, um, is worth is worth it at that price. If if we think he starts the year um, in the race starting lineup, like that's 
that's pretty good. And he draws walks and can at least get on base. Bubba, you mentioned the defense too. So I think there's like enough playing time safety and the stolen base upside is actually pretty huge. So um, yep. at that late in the draft, yeah, take a shot. Yep, I'm a fan as well. Uh, Thomas Travato in the chat says, Ringifo, Polanco, or Targets, got it. Thanks. Yep, yep. If you take anything away from this draft or from this podcast, there you go. Um, our buddy Little Book are calling my shot. Sorry, sorry. The aforementioned Little the Book. Tom. Come on. Um, what is your personal method for making positional adjustments in drafts? How do you decide whether to bump a catcher or, in this case, a second baseman up one round over the projected dollar value versus four rounds? Like, how do you, when do you basically decide to take your pick? If it helps as a springboard, the attachment has a few common strats I've seen. Um, use it as a tiebreaker between two, two similarly valued players, add a replacement do it on the fly how do you go about knowing when the jump because it is a it is an i can't even say an art it's more of a feel than anything but what do, what do you use so i kind of quickly went through that exercise with the question before about bets at second base or outfield what i do is i basically look at the replacement level player at each position so like you're in a 15 team league it's maybe like you're you factor in corner and utility and, and stuff like that. So maybe like your 20th second baseman versus 20th first baseman shortstop. And then outfield obviously is a lot later and you just see what that valuation is and you bump accordingly most pretty much every year. And this has been kind of validated by other smart people or people smarter than me. So it's really not much of a positional adjustment for really any position except for catcher where there is a pretty substantial um, positional adjustment, especially in two catcher leagues. So um, I use it kind of more as a tiebreaker for non-catcher positions because quite frankly, the difference is so small usually that, I mean, projections are so inaccurate anyway that we're kind of fooling ourselves to think we can get these guys within like $1 of each other. So. Yeah, for me, like it's more the reason why I do all the drafts early is reps. It's like kind of a feel where things go, and then yep. I know which players I really want to build my team based on the comfortability, I guess, or the reliability we talk about, and I'll start hopping, guys, in that regard. Like I already know in certain drafts now, like Glaber, I only have one share of because he goes higher than his ADP. feels like in every draft I'm in. like He just does. So if I want to make a point to get Glaber – I got to probably go at least a round earlier type thing. Like you just know that kind of going through these drafts and that'll continue to change and tighten up as draft season goes along. So you have to start kind of be willing. And one thing like I've learned from, you know, talking with Gills and other guys on my show is like, get your guys basically and just plan on taking them a round or two early every draft you're in. That way you'll get your guys. Cause everyone's so sharp now. Like there's a lot of sharp players now. They, they're there. You, as you just, as we just saw with Brent Chester's question, we're not the only ones with the strategy to take right. picks. Nine. Like, and, yeah. and I guarantee you, Brant, you and me aren't the only three people with that idea. So you start getting to these drafts and you know if you want certain players, start pushing them up essentially or have a great fallback plan, which you your fallback plan, you push them up a couple of rounds. Otherwise, you're just going to get hosed at the end type thing. Yep. Agreed. Well said. Uh, Steve Stoughton asks, are you more likely to target second base early or later in drafts? Who are two of your favorite second base target after pick 150? We already hit on that. You got you, we got you there. Um big Lebo 91. Does Witt get to those numbers? He scares the heck out of me. He's talking about Whit Merrifield, Whit? ADP oh. of 259. Projections have him at a 258, 10, and 20, and he's unemployed right now. So um 
that's the biggest question. Where does he land before I even know what his projections like will actually equip like, what will actually occur with those projections, I guess. But um, yeah, it's tough. What do you think? Yeah, that's tough because so I made the argument earlier about Ahmed Rosario, not just assuming he gets a job, but like fairly confident. I'm not as confident in Whit Merrifield getting a regular gig. This is a guy from a real baseball standpoint. The last three years has an OBP of like 310 which is bad. He's 35 years old. His his game is predicated on speed, which with the rule changes in 2023, that doesn't stick out as much anymore. Um, I don't have the defensive metrics or whatever in front of me, but I would I would imagine Whit Merrifield has lost a step. Uh, if he's lost a step on the base pass, lost a step in the field as well. So like, I don't, I'm a, and, it, and the price isn't like super. I mean, it's 250, but like you could very well get a guy who is a utility player at 250 going the same exact price as Luis Rangifo. Um, and so I think there's a lot of risk. That floor for Whit Merrifield this year is is super low. You kind of want him to sign like with some shitty o- team. Oakland. Yeah. Like yeah. Oakland or Angels well, or he's, as he's, we offend been... half our listeners, but. He's been rumored uh, to the White Sox, and that actually would that would fit. be great. That actually that would fits. be great. I mean, yeah. Mike Carter would be pissed, but yeah, that exactly. would be great for Whit Merrifield's fantasy Pretty. value. That's what that's what you want. You don't want yeah. Whit Merrifield going back to Toronto. I don't just basically like competitor. I agree with Ryan. I think it's more than likely he lands somewhere that he platoons or you uti- the utility. Yep. If he somehow lands on the other side of things, you got a better conversation. But a yep. lot of ifs with Whit. Then Andy Splinter has our last question here. Edward Julian, is it uh, is it wrong to think he could be a good middle infield power option, assuming you already have stolen bases, below average swinging strike percentage and O swing percentage, which will hopefully lead to less Ks, above average barrel rate, and should lead off against right-handed pitching? I've heard a lot of people say they believe in Edward's power. Um, yeah. Uh, there's the other parts, kind of what Andy mentioned, as he's got a tweak as well to get there. But I've heard a lot of people pretty optimistic on Julian this year, and a 212 p gets them really optimistic. Yes, agreed. I think the power's pretty legitimate. I have concerns about Julian as an everyday player. It was really, really bad against lefties last year, like awful. It was only 48 plate appearances, so extreme grain of salt. But uh, I don't know if Julian is an everyday player. Um, but that said, I've got an article coming out for HQ, the first speculator of the year coming out tomorrow and Julian over yeah. a full 600 plate appearances by HQ's projections is north of 25 home runs. So uh, to the original question, like, yes, Edward Julian is a kind of a sneaky power source going, I don't know, somewhat late in draft Two twelve though. That's not, it's not super cheap. I'd rather I don't have know. Nolan I'm, Nolan I'm, I'm lukewarm. You'd what? I'd rather have over Nolan Gorman. Uh, agreed. I'd probably take McMahon over. I'd take Julian. McMahon over him. I'd take, right take Drury over him too. Agreed. Agreed. So, um, there's a ceiling there, but there's a lot of ifs with Julian. Like, stay healthy, but um, but hit against lefties. He's also very like the walk rate's super high, which again for fantasy for five by five, like he's almost too passive. You mentioned the swinging strike rate and stuff like that. Um, I'd like to see him be a little more aggressive. And that's one reason why I don't care about Gil off strikeout rate. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to end it on that note. Just had to throw it out there. Um, 
All right, we're going to wrap it up there, Mr. Bloomfield. This was a fun one. Uh, you can tell it gets late in the night at times when we start getting, or at least I get stupid with things. Um, final thoughts, second base, general, anything like that? Uh, no, this was fun, actually, and this was uh, some good back and forth. Yep. Still can't get over that strikeout rate comment. Um, <laughs> I think we've got a plan for second base. I think I think yes. we've given a, a decent roadmap to you Hopefully all. Hopefully no one else has the same plan. <laughs> for how to attack position. Everyone else might have the same damn plan, but we laid ours out there at least, and I think it's pretty solid. Yep. I think it'll be fun, and what'll be even more fun is we got shortstop coming up on yep. Thursday, and honestly – that's going to get real fun, I have a feeling, because that's an interesting position, much more interesting than years past. Still, the depth is kind of there, but I think there's a lot of uh, question marks per se. So uh, that could be a fun position to, to break down. And then obviously get your rating reviews in for the uh, the Listener League. Let's get going there. We almost got three full leagues already, like I said, uh, like we said earlier on. So let's get up to, to the four plus, get this party really cracking. But until next time. For Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ, podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. I'm at BD Entrick. This is Bubba and the Bloom, episode 99, your second base preview. Catch you all next time. Mm-hmm.